Welcome to the preaching podcast of Poplar Springs Baptist Church in Hiram, Georgia, and the preaching ministry of our senior pastor, Wayne Meadows. It is our desire that the message you hear today would call you to a closer walk with Jesus Christ, and that your life would give glory to God as you apply the biblical truths proclaimed. For more information about the ministry of Poplar Springs Baptist Church, check us out on the web, www.psbchurch.net. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the preaching of God's Word. All right, speaking of being in the Word, let's get in the Word this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. I want to preach to you today about walking distinctly, dressing differently. Walking distinctly, dressing differently. So I'm going to read the passage. You follow along in your copy and hear the Word of God this morning. Ephesians 4, verse 17. Now, this I say and testify in the Lord... But you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. And may the Lord bless today the reading and the preaching of his word. Generally speaking, your walk and your wardrobe go together. Your walk and your wardrobe go together. What I mean by that is your way of life is oftentimes revealed by what you wear. For example, if you were to be out and about and you were to see a person wearing scrubs, you would probably assume, and correctly so perhaps, they work in some sort of medical profession, whether a nurse, a doctor, an attendant, maybe even in a dentist office. But those scrubs let you know about their way of life. Their wardrobe reveals their walk. If you were to see a gentleman wearing a suit and a tie, you would assume that he's not going to work on a construction site, but rather probably working in an office atmosphere. Again, walk and wardrobe go hand in hand. If you see a person wearing a badge and in uniform, Well, then that lets you know that they are probably a police officer with uh, the authority of the government and need to be respected and their commands followed. You get the idea. Walk and wardrobe go together. Well, that's the same idea that Paul is pressing upon us in this passage today, albeit in a spiritual matter. In our passage today, Paul is giving us a strong exhortation. Paul uses some strong language at the beginning of our text in verse 17. He says, now this I say and testify in the Lord. Paul is wanting us to know that what he's about to share with us doesn't come from his own mind. It's not something that he has concocted or made up, but rather he is giving us the very word of God. He is telling us the Lord's instruction for our lives. He is letting us know that what he says carries with it the authority of God himself. And what Paul has to say takes us back to the topic that he began at at the beginning of chapter 4. When you go back to the very first verse, Paul tells us, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, 
urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. In that verse, Paul makes a transition in the book of Ephesians. He moves from the the doctrinal instruction that he has given where he describes for us all that we have received in the gospel to the application of that truth to our life. And Paul uses the phrase, walk. He uses it not to describe our gait or our steps, but rather the way in which we live our lives. And he's telling us that our walk, our way of life, needs to exemplify the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul comes back to that topic now in verse 17. He says, I testify in the Lord about how you need to be walking. He's telling us that as believers in Christ, that is the very theme of Ephesians, in him. You go back to chapter 1, and we see all the blessings that are ours in Christ Jesus. That as believers in Christ, our walk, the way of life that we go about in this world, is to be distinct from the world. Paul says we need to walk differently. We need to walk distinctly. And Paul tells us that that distinction is made in our walk because, spiritually speaking, we dress differently. When you get further down in our text uh, this morning, when you you get to verses uh, 22 and 23, we hear Paul using the language of imagery of putting a garment off and putting a garment on. He's talking about how we clothe our lives spiritually and how that impresses and affects the walk that we have in this world. So he tells us to walk distinctly and dress differently as believers in this world. And there's two parts to the passage today that Paul gives us. There's two ways he's going to approach this matter of walking distinctly and dressing differently. First of all, he's going to tell us that we need to put off the old. And then secondly, he's going to tell us to put on the new. Put off the old, put on the new. So let's look at the first part of the passage today, verses 17 through 19. Put off the old. In these verses, Paul is detailing for us the depravity of mankind. He's painting a picture for us of the way pagans live in this world. When Paul writes there in verse 17, I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles. He's describing for us now how an unbeliever, how a lost man, how a sinful man, how a pagan lives their life. Paul, when he uses the word Gentiles there, uses it in a very specific fashion. Uh, That's a word that he's used previously in in the book of Ephesians, but used it in a different way. When you go back to Ephesians chapter 2 in the second half of that chapter, we've looked at it already. Paul is describing how now in Christ Jesus we are one. And he uses the word Gentile there as a distinction from Jew. He writes about Jew and Gentile. But now in Christ Jesus, there's only one new man and we're brought into a new body, the church. But here when he uses the word Gentile, he's not using it in that fashion as a distinction ethnically between Jew and Gentile. But rather here, he uses the word Gentile, which is the Greek word ethnos, to describe people religiously. And here the word Gentile simply describes those who are pagans. They don't know God. They're not in Christ. They're separated from all the blessings that are ours in Christ that Paul has detailed. And Paul says this is how they live their lives. And Paul calls us to no longer live our lives that way. He tells us to put off the old garment of the world, to put off our old self. And Paul goes on in verses 17 through 19 to describe what that old garment of the world looks like, to describe what that old way of living is for us. 
and to describe how those who are pagans still today, those who are still lost today, live their lives in this world. Let me give you these five descriptions that Paul uses here in these verses. First of all, in verse 17, Paul says, the Gentiles, the pagans, they dress or they walk, if you will, in meaninglessness fashion. Meaninglessness. And we see this because in the end of verse 17, Paul says we're no longer to walk as the pagans do, the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. That word futility there means uh, failing to produce the desired result. That success is never achieved. So don't miss what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying that the lost people in this world, the Gentiles of this world, the pagans of this world, they go about walking with meaninglessness. They never see the desired results of the life that they are living. They never succeed ultimately. Oh, they may get the house, they may get the car, they may get the the wife, they may get the job, but their desires are never ultimately met. Life is meaninglessness to them. It's the same word that the Bible uses in the Old Testament in the book of Ecclesiastes, the word vanity. And that's the refrain that comes in that book over and over and over again. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. In Ecclesiastes 2.26, the, uh, the preacher of Ecclesiastes said, this also is vanity, listen to this, and a striving after the wind. Did you hear that? A striving after the wind. That's how the lost people in this world live their lives. They're striving after their whim. They're they're going about trying to grasp what they think will bring fulfillment and satisfaction and success in their lives. But it's like trying to grab hold of the wind. And just the very moment they think that they've got it, it slips through their fingers and their desires are unmet. Their life is vain. Their life is empty. In Ecclesiastes, the, the writer describes that kind of life as living life under the sun. Life under the sun is meaningless It's vain, it's empty, it's trying to catch the wind. What the writer means by living life under the sun is that there's no regard for heaven. You're simply living with an earthly perspective. You're you're simply living according to the ways of this world. You're simply living in a single story house. All you know and all you care about is what's on the first story of life, what this world has for you. You're not considering what lies above. You're giving no consideration to the things of God or even to God himself. And Paul says that's the futility in the minds of those who are lost in this world. They're living life without an ultimate purpose. They have no comprehension of the ultimate purpose of the glory of God. Revelation 4.11 is foreign to them. They can't sing the song of the redeemed. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. They know nothing of that. Oh, their souls long for it. Their souls ache for it. They want something that will satisfy. But they're simply living in this world, and their life is meaningless. Meaningless. But Paul goes on and tells us as well that not only are they dressed in meaninglessness, But they're also dressed in hardness as well. Look at verse 18. Paul says they are darkened in their understanding. We're going to come back to that. Alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. We'll come back to that. But here's the reason those things exist. Due, the end of verse 18, due to their hardness of heart. The lost in this world, the the unbelievers... 
The Gentiles, the pagans, their hearts are hard to the things of God. The word hardness there describes being like a rock or a piece of marble. It was also used as a medical term. And it would describe the calcification that would take place around a bone that had been broken and healed. That when that calcification process took place and the calcium would form around that break, what was in its place was stronger than what was there previously. Paul says that's the heart of a man who doesn't know God. That's the heart of a man who is walking in the ways of this world. His heart is hard to the things of God. And God tells us this about our very hearts as well. In Ezekiel 36, 26, as the Lord is describing for Ezekiel the promise of the new covenant, he says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh. That's every human being that doesn't know Christ today. Now, when the Bible uses the word heart there, it's not talking about the muscle that's pumping the blood through your body today, but the word heart in Scripture speaks of the inner man. It speaks of the essence of who we are, that apart from Christ and and walking in the ways of this world, we're hardened to God. Sin has petrified us to the things of God and the truth of God and the reality of God. Paul says, don't walk like these Gentiles in the hardness of their hearts. But he goes on. He says, not only do they walk in meaninglessness and hardness, but they walk in darkness as well. This is the beginning of verse 18. It's a result of their hardness of heart. They are darkened in their understanding. Darkened in their understanding. I want you to notice right here how many words Paul uses in these verses that speak of the inner man or the way in which we think about ourselves and think about life. He's already told told us about the futility of their minds. Here he tells us they're darkened in understanding. Uh, He goes on to say their ignorance that is in them, and they have a heart. The inner man, the mind of the man is hard to the things of God. Paul here says that's darkness that's in us apart from Christ. We're blinded to the light of Christ. We're living in spiritual darkness. And hear me, that's the result of man's own doing. Man loves that darkness. Man loves to reside within the shadows. In John chapter 1, John gives us that beautiful Christological passage describing for us the incarnation. That Christ came, the word of God came and dwelt uh, with flesh among us. And in him was the life and the light of man. But you know what John said? Mankind rejected him. Because mankind loved their darkness rather than the light of Christ. Oh, Paul is telling us here that those apart from Christ, their hearts, their understanding, their minds are darkened to the things of God. It's a work of their own doing, and it's also aided by Satan. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that the God of this world, the little g, Satan has blinded the minds of the lost to not see the light of the glory of Christ in the gospel. Have you ever wondered how we got to where we are today in culture? I mean, have you ever scratched your head and and been perplexed at what people believe today and and what they want to hold up as factual and what they deny as truth? I mean, have you looked at what's going on and go, man, how did we get here? How is this happening? Well, Paul is telling us how. Because this is the way in which the world walks. This is the garment in which the world dresses itself. Their very minds are darkened. Their understanding is cut off from the light of Christ and the glory of God. Their true north is absent in their life. They have meaninglessness, hardness, darkness. 
And then there in the middle of verse 18, Paul tells us they have deadness as well. Deadness. They are darkened in their understanding. Here it is. Alienated. Separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Because they live life in a meaningless way. Their hearts are hardened to the things of God. They reside in spiritual darkness in their understanding. This ignorance in them for which they are culpable and responsible for has separated them from the life of God. They are dead men walking. That's what the pagans are in this world. Dead in their trespasses and sin, Paul said in Ephesians 2. And the reality is, that's what every one of us were as well when we were apart from Christ. We were dead, we were alienated, we were separated from the things of God. We had no spiritual life. In 1 John 5, John makes it crystal clear, whoever has the Son has life. And whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Gentiles, pagans, lost, unbelievers, unsaved, they are dead in their sins, separated from God because of their hardness and darkness and meaninglessness. And then ultimately, Paul takes us to the conclusion of walking such a path, of dressing in such a fashion, and that's recklessness. Paul says in verse 19, they... That is, the Gentiles, those of the world. He says, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And that's exactly where so many are in our world today. Living recklessly before God. The word callous there, we we all know what a callous is that forms on our hands. We, we know that skin that builds up there, and, and we can use that to lift heavier, heavy objects. We can use it to hold a hot pan. We, we, we know how it functions, and we know how it operates. You see, that callus, that tissue that is built there is insensitive. The sensation that the healthy tissue around it possesses, that callus doesn't have. That's the reason you can pick up that hot pan with those calluses there, and, and you don't feel the pain like you would if you just grabbed it with the palm of your hand. And what Paul is saying here is that those who are in the world and dressing with the world and walking the path of the world, they may not all wind up here, but this is the direction they're all heading. Their hearts are going to be callous to the things of God. They become insensitive to sin and its consequences. And Paul says the result of that is they've given themselves up to sensuality. There's an echo here of what Paul writes in Romans chapter 1. Where Paul tells us there the great indictment against all humanity as sinners before God. There he tells us that because mankind has suppressed the truth of God in his conscience, has denied the truth of God in creation, has worshipped the creation rather than the creator, and has a desire for their sin rather than the light of the gospel and the light of God, that God has given them up to their own selfish and sinful ways. He has handed them over to the reprobate minds that they possess. And Paul says right here that they have done the same things to themselves. They give themselves up to this sensuality, to this unsatiated desire to have more and more impurity in their life. 
And this is why we see such wickedness and evilness in the world today. You wonder, where does human trafficking of young ladies come from? Where does sexual impurity and immorality come from? Where does all the heinous things that we see before us in the world today, where do they come from? I'll tell you where they come from. They come from hearts that are hard and dark and dead before God. And they're given over to these things. And Paul says they're greedy for even more of it. The book of Proverbs tells us the leech simply wants more and more. That's the heart of a sinner today. They want more and more and more and more of their sin because the sin never satisfies. And Paul tells us that's who we were, but that's not who we are. And because of that, take the garment of this world. Take the clothes of this world off of you. Get off the path that the Gentiles are walking. And he tells us in verses 20 through 24 that we need to put on the new. Put off the old. Put on the new. He states it clearly in verse 22. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. That's what he just told us about in verses 17 through 19. Newsflash, you're not innocent today. You weren't pure today. You were a sinner today. You were a pagan apart from Christ. You were lost and your heart was hardened to the things of God. You were dead in your sin, darkened uh, to the light of the glory of Christ. But by the grace of God, that's not who you are now. And Paul says, live out this new identity. Paul says there in verse 20, when he comes to this new thought in this passage, but... This is a familiar way of writing that Paul has given us here in Ephesians. The the comparison and contrasting is what he did in Ephesians 2. You were dead in your trespasses and sin, but God who is rich in mercy. Same thing here, same format, same flow. This is what you were as a Gentile. This is who the world is, verse 20. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in him. To put off your old self. Verse 23, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self. Here, Paul is calling us to a different way of life, a different way of walking, a different way of dressing. He's calling us to the reality of the new identity that we possess in Christ. And there's two thoughts that he gives us here. Two thoughts about how we put on this new garment and how we walk differently than the Gentiles. First of all, Paul highlights our relationship with Christ. Our relationship with Christ. In verse 20, he says, This is not the way you learned Christ. Learned Christ. Now, again, we see Paul uh, here using some language that's similar to what he used in verses 17 through 19 language that speaks of learning, language that speaks of, of the heart, language that speaks of being taught, language that speaks of truth. So again, he's dealing with things that are on the inside, not necessarily the outside. But here he says, that is not the way you learn Christ. And and those two words, learn Christ, are really important here. Because when Paul uses them, he's not merely speaking of an intellectual gaining of knowledge. He's not saying that you're to be different or to walk different or to, to, to dress different spiritually because you've gained some information regarding Christ or regarding Jesus. No, when Paul says, you learn Christ, he's speaking of our salvation. 
Learning Christ is shorthand for being made new in Christ, for being saved, for being born again. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28, 29? That great invitation that he extends? Come to me, all you, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and then what comes next? And learn of me. Learn of me. Why? That you may find rest for your souls. Oh, it's an invitation, not that we would come to him and and life would be easy peasy, lemon squeezy, and we could rest and, and skip through life. No, it's an invitation that Christ gives that we would lay down our works, that we would forego our own righteousness, and that we would cling to him by by the way our souls can find rest. And he says, Learn from me. Shorthand for having life in him, for coming to him for salvation. He speaks of the same thing in John chapter 6 in the Gospel of John, verse 49. In that chapter, Jesus is having an ongoing discussion with the scribes and the Pharisees. They're irritated and irate that Jesus is professing to be who he is, the Son of God come in the flesh, and that salvation comes from him. And this is what Jesus says in that verse. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So Paul here, as he comes to this point of contrast, this pivot in the passage, he's telling us that we walk distinctly, that we dress differently because we have a relationship with Christ. We have learned Christ. And then he adds to that. He says, not only have we learned him, But we have heard about him as well. He says, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him. Now, when Paul writes about hearing about him, he's not merely speaking about hearing him in the preaching of the gospel. Although that certainly would be appropriate and and fitting. We want to hear Christ in the preaching of the gospel. But that's not what Paul has in mind. And it's hard for us to see uh, in our English translations because of a word that the translators put in there that seems to make it flow better and and convey a, a clearer thought to us. But in the original way in which Paul wrote verse 21, this is what he said. Assuming that you have heard him. The preposition about or of, depending on how your translation renders it today in that verse, is not there in Paul's writing. It's not put there by Paul's pen. So Paul is saying, but that's not the way that you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard him. Now when Paul says heard him, he's not saying that we have heard the physical voice of Jesus. He's not saying that those in Ephesus or Asia Minor were required to hear Jesus during his earthly ministry as he preached the gospel. That's not what he's getting at. No, what Paul is saying is that we learn Christ and we heard him. We heard him not in an actual voice, but we heard his spiritual summons. We heard his call go out to us to come and die to self, to believe in him and be saved. Paul, again, is describing the relationship that we have with Jesus. Listen to me. If you are a child of God today, if you are a follower of Christ today, there was a moment in your life, not audibly that you heard Jesus call you out, but spiritually in the recesses of your soul and in the depths of your heart, the spirit of Christ called out to you, come and live. That's what Jesus said in John 10. 
That passage where he is the the great shepherd, the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus said, my sheep, what do they do? They hear my voice and they follow me. So how do we live distinctly? How do we dress differently? Paul is telling us it comes about because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We believe in him. Paul goes on and he ends verse 21 in this way, as the truth is in Jesus. In Jesus. It's the only time in the book of Ephesians that Paul uses the name Jesus alone without a modifier. Everywhere else, he either speaks with him as the the Messiah or Jesus Christ or Jesus as Lord. But here, it's only Jesus. And again, Paul is getting at the reality that must be present in our life. If we're going to not follow the ways of this world, we must have a relationship with Jesus. This historical figure who came and lived as God upon the earth in flesh and went to a cross, was buried and crucified and raised again on the third day and now has ascended to the Father in heaven. In him, in him, Paul says, we have been made new. Paul captures this in verse 22. Because it's through this relationship that we put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Paul is telling us here that because of this relationship in Jesus Christ, we're new. There's not an old you and a new you. There's only a new you in Jesus Christ. There's not an old nature and a new nature. There's only a new nature in you today, the nature of Jesus Christ. If any man is in Christ Jesus, he is not half old creation, half new creation. No, he is a new creation alone. You have been given a new identity through Christ. And Paul is saying, live that out. Live that out. Now, while the old nature has been put to death, we know that it's habits. We know that it's influences through the flesh that we still inhabit through the desires of the flesh that still has some influence upon us and the desires we have to, to beat back and to suppress and mortify through the power of the gospel. But Paul here is telling us, understand that through your relationship in Christ, your old self is no more. And every one of the verb tenses that Paul writes with here in verse 20, 21, and 22 He uses what's known as the aorist tense in the Greek language. I know this is overly technical, and unless there's a category on Jeopardy about Greek language, this probably means absolutely nothing to you this morning, but it's important. Because by using that tense, Paul was a grammatarian. He he wrote with grammar that was correct most of the time. He didn't use words like gooder in his writing of Scripture. All right? And he used the aorist tense here for a purpose. Because in the Greek language, the aorist tense always detailed a completed action that had occurred at one time in the past. And so what Paul is saying is that you learn Christ. You heard him. You were taught the truth of Jesus. And your old self has been put off from you. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The parallel passage of this is found in Colossians 3, verses 8 through 10. And Paul there says, you must put them all the way. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Seeing, why? Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new one. Now, what's the bottom line of all of this? Here it is. 
You can't walk distinctly or dress differently unless you have been made different, unless you have been made new by Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how hard you try. It doesn't matter how much effort you put into it, how many resolutions you write down, how many new leaves you want to turn over. Listen to me. It's not about becoming a better you. It's about being a new you in Jesus Christ. Paul says because of that, and that's the power of the gospel, and hear me, that's an invitation that God gives to you today. If you're not in Christ today, if you have not learned him, heard him, if you don't know the truth of him, you can today. Because the invitation that he put out there in Matthew 11, it's for you. Come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden of walking in the ways of the Gentiles and the pagans of this world, come to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me and I will give rest to your souls. That's for you today. He extends it to you that you can have a relationship with him. And in that relationship, we walk distinctly and dress differently. And then finally, Paul ends the passage by telling us that we live out this new identity. Not only through the relationship that we have with Christ, but the renewal of our minds. The renewal of our minds. In the verses that we just looked at, 20, 21, and 22, Paul used that aorist tense, talking about things that happened in the past, a completed action. Well, now he's going to use some verbs and some words that they're in the present continuous tense, meaning that this is something that happens and keeps on happening. And so what Paul says is that we put off the old self, and now in verse 23, we need to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul says we've got to live out this identity. We can't go back to what we once were. But here's the problem with that, and we all know this. What we once were is entirely comfortable to us, isn't it? I kind of liken it to what I've seen in my house these past couple of weeks that school has been out. I won't name the children. I'll allow them to go anonymous. But I've had this conversation with a couple of them. Maybe it's happened in your house as well. You wearing that again today? You, you, you wore that yesterday, right? Same clothes again. You think we might need to wash that sometime this week, maybe? And on and on. You know, it, well, it's just comfortable. It's not dirty. I can see the last three meals you had on the front of it, but that's okay. It's comfortable. It's comfortable, right? Well, Paul says that's how we are with our flesh. That's how we are with, with, with the body that we're encumbered with and the desires that is so comfortable. It feels good. It feels good. But Paul says, no, we've got to do away with that. And we do away with that by being renewed in our minds. He says, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And here's what's interesting about what Paul writes right there. It's a passive present tense verb. Boy, y'all didn't know y'all were coming to Greek English class today, did you? All right. So here's what Paul is saying. Passive present tense. So a passive verb, we know this from from studying uh, grammar when we were going through school. A passive verb means that the action is not performed by the subject, but rather it's performed upon the subject. But somebody else is doing this to the subject. So we're the subject of the passage here. And Paul says, your minds need to be renewed, but we're not the ones that can renew them. Somebody else has got to do that. But Paul does tell us that we must be about the renewing of our minds. 
He writes it in a weird format. But here's what Paul is getting at. We must be about the business of supplying the resources that another can use to change our minds and to change how we think. How does that happen? How do we renew our minds? Paul tells us in Romans 12 too, don't be conformed to this world. Uh, but instead, by the renewal of your minds, how do we renew our minds? Well, that comes about through the Word of God. And that's why being in the Word and walking in the Word and journeying through the Word together in 2021 is so important. Because it's only by the Word of God that the Spirit of Christ, who is the one who performs this action, can transform your life into the image of Christ. Listen to me. If you're not in the Word and the Word's not in you, your spiritual fuel tank is dry. Your, your spiritual wardrobe is, is limited. Your walk is going to be hampered. So Paul tells us to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. That inwardly, day by day, we're in the word and the spirit is taking that word and he's working in our lives to see this new self that we've been given, this new identity in Christ, becoming more and more the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Kent Hughes said it well. This renewal of our minds is done by reading and studying God's word. The word gives us God's very thoughts and prayerful meditation upon it will infuse his mind into ours in constant renewal. This is why every Christian should be regularly, daily reading God's word. Paul tells us don't walk like this world. Don't clothe yourself in the garments of this world. Put off the old and put on the new. We must spiritually clothe ourselves from the divine wardrobe of heaven, that of which a relationship with Christ and the new mind secures for us. And as I think about clothing ourselves from the right wardrobe, I'm reminded of the words of C.S. Lewis in his series, The Chronicles of Narnia. And especially in book two, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It was through that wardrobe that the Provincy children would enter into the world of Narnia. And there C.S. Lewis would unfold in that fictional fashion many truths about the gospel. But in that work and throughout all seven books in the series, you'll find Lewis using this phrase over and over and over again. Further in. Further in. Further in. Further in to the wardrobe. That's what Paul is calling us to today as believers. Don't live your life like the pagans. Don't walk like them. Don't dress like them. Instead, realize what you have been given in Christ. And let your mind be renewed by his word and his spirit. And go deeper and deeper into him. Go deeper into that heavenly wardrobe. And what you'll discover is that you'll walk distinctly. And you'll dress differently. And your life will become more and more like the likeness of God in righteousness and holiness. And that's my prayer for us this year at Poplar Springs, that we would be a people who are shaped by the word of God and walk differently than those around us. Let's pray.